It's one that might feel hard this week, this topic. So over the next few minutes, uh, let's talk about how to explain what rape is to your 10 year old if he's asked you um, and you feel completely sort of taken aback and on the back foot. Welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in a car with you each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And the answer this week is taken from so many of the three pillars of the evolved family method. They all work together. But um, so to reduce overwhelm, and we don't have huge amounts of time in sitting in a car each week, I'm going to focus mainly on information from the courage pillar. There are 16 different strategies inside that courage pillar, which helps us really speak up and take steps forward and build momentum. Uh, and we're going to focus on an overview of three of them today. So when a 10 year old asks you this question about what is rape, you may feel quite taken aback as the question asker has, um, because you weren't expecting the question. Maybe um, you had the plan that you wanted him to learn so much more about healthy and um, joyful parts of being human and being in relationship and sharing our bodies with other people before he had to deal with concepts like this. So um, you could also be looking for information like, okay, so how do I have this conversation with a 10 year old? I obviously, well, most of us will know what rape is, but the complexity that we're faced with, with when this situation happens is that how do we translate what we know into um, words and concepts uh, that a 10 year old can manage. So I completely understand why this question might put you on the back foot. You might feel a little bit overwhelmed because we are not explicitly shown or we don't see um, examples of how to have conversations with very young children or not so young children about the complexities of the world. The dominant sort of approach with children is that we shelter them and protect them from complexity and pain and suffering um, because they're innocent. And there is so much about that that feels natural. So of course we're gonna go down that route. But um, there will come a point or an age at which our child reaches when we realize that actually it's not possible to shelter them. In fact, it's not helpful because they don't have the information they need to go out into the world and uh, protect themselves, prepare themselves for what is out in the big wide world. So um, I've learned that when we rest back on this protect children from harm and pain and suffering, it is evidence that the courageous tongue-tied parent effect is in place. Because um, we're not stepping up and finding incremental, small, easy, natural ways to talk about the world's complexity in a way that layers on information and skills and support and caring and love so that our child over time develop awareness about very complex stuff in the world, right? So the courageous tongue-tied parent effect um, 
comes into play when we don't understand about layering. And layering is absolutely a sign. If we know how to do layering well, we are building our evolved communicating family, which is, which is what we want. The sign of an evolved communicating family is that pretty much anything can be talked about. The child's needs are central. Um, the work has been done by the adults in that family to manage their feelings of awkwardness and shame maybe that they've got from their past and they're absolutely focused on um, what to do if a parent in their community comes in and says to them they think they're doing the wrong thing. That would be one of the signs of an evolved communicating family actually that the adult has done so much work around their sense of being grounded in purpose and surety that what they're doing is right that they can't be shaken by um, other people in their community who uh, believe differently because and this is key because they don't know what we know about how to protect kids in the best possible way. So, courageous tongue-tied parent effect will cause us to um, spend time with things like um, how we're feeling or trying to protect our kid and what other parents will think if our child has this information. And it's natural. It's not helpful, but it's natural and it's okay. So, um, let's go through the three um, steps for this week which come from um, the courage pillar to help you deal with this situation where a child around the age of 10 comes to you and asks you what rape is and you don't really know where to start point one we cannot protect our child from hardship and pain that's not possible to be human is to feel all sorts of things uh, to learn that the world is not necessarily a safe place. Now, you might hear me say that and you're like, no, I don't want to tell my kid that. I want to protect their innocence. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that your kid already knows. <laughs> and if you're not speaking up about the inevitable difficulties that being human um, brings, then uh, you're not creating the habit of being able to talk about absolutely anything at all. And I know that if you're listening to sitting or watching sitting in a car, then you want your child absolutely and without question to come to you about any problem or any pain or any difficulty or any joy that they're having, right? So to do that, we need to model that. I'm thinking about uh, one of the times when I learned how important it was to be able to acknowledge that life is suffering and pain and I'll probably get upset now even though this was a long time ago yeah I can feel myself getting upset it's okay I'm just just I want to tell you this story because it's important and it was a big lesson and I'm okay with feeling upset I just want to let you know you don't need to look after me or feel worried about me because I know how to care for myself when I feel sad and the story is that when I was in my, well, it was, it's almost 13, 14 years ago now, um, my dad was killed suddenly in a car accident. And most of you know that I live in Ireland and my family is in Melbourne, in Australia. And so I had that awful situation, so awful, to get a phone call to let me know. Now, it's something like that. There is no way to prepare for something like that. 
But the thing that really helped me was the friends and the members of my community who knew that when things are hard like that, when someone has experienced a terrible loss, that the way to help them the most is to step forward and with deep courage and care, start a conversation about that loss. And some of the conversations I remember, like people that I wasn't necessarily even that close to, a neighbor down the road, how are you? How are you? This must be so difficult, I can't imagine. Gave me permission to talk about, yeah, how really hard it was. Look at me, I'm having a little tear now. So meaningful. So when we, let's get back on topic, Sarah. When we take on the mantle of responsibility, because we're the adults, remember, in our family, and we start talking about sensitive things, or not sensitive things, well, yes, sensitive things, but also hardship, pain, loss, suffering. We allow and model to our child that they can talk about that too. And I'm not talking about what I'm doing here now with you, which is crying and blubbing and you know, feeling all the feelings again about something deeply intense. But it can be very simple things that are complex. So um, let me look at my notes here. We're gonna go on to point two, actually. So point one is, yes, we absolutely talk about complex things. We are not doing our kid a disservice. They already have experience of complex things. And I'm gonna give you some examples of that in the, in the future point. So point two is when we ignore the fact that our feelings can be hurt, people can hurt us, um, being human is inherently risky. When we ignore that, I'm looking at my notes here, um, we come across as clueless. Now you might be thinking, that's a bit harsh, uh, but I remember I was sitting in a car with a teenager a few years ago, not this car, the last car, and um, they were telling me something about the complexity of being a teenager, 13 year old, I think, in a friendship group and uh, not feeling accepted. And um, it was very painful. And I tried to, in a very clunky way, say, well, you know, there, there are other friends and I tried to be understanding, but not to, to gloss over the pain. And that teenager said to me, Mum, you have no idea what it's like or the hardship of being a teen. Now, I'm telling you that story and I'm here to tell you, I absolutely remember very clearly the hardship of being a teen, but my mistake in that instance was to not really sit with the hardship and say, Wow, it, you can, it can feel so lonely to be rejected by the people you thought were friends. And um, it's not easy when you're different. Um, because I remember, like, I had really terrible eczema on my hands when I was 9, 10, 11. Really, really terrible eczema. And I remember very clearly holding a frog or something in my hand one day at school and someone coming up to look at it. And that person in my class going, ew, what's wrong with your hands? You know, and even just remembering that just makes my whole body feel, oh, that was so sad. I felt so rejected, right? Your child has examples of feeling rejected. And when we don't talk about it, 
in a way that we can manage with our nervous system feeling calm, then we're not modeling to our child that we're open to talk about the complexity of the world. And going back to this idea of rape, um, we use the same strategies that we can talk in age appropriate ways about complexity and pain and difficulty and being hurt, right? So point number three is to talk about now some of the analogies that we can use to talk about difficulty and pain and suffering. We can use examples of our child's life. So in this instance, we're talking to a 10 year old, but if you wanted to start this conversation earlier, um, for example, if you have a six year old, you can be saying things like, you know what? There are people in the world that don't understand how to uh, respect others. And they don't understand that we all have a right to decide who touches our body. So, um, for example, if you're in the playground and someone is playing a game of soccer and they want you to play, right? And you don't want to play if they don't understand that you've got a choice they can grab your arm and pull you onto the football pitch right there are people in the world that do that um, in school but there are also adults in the world that do that too can physically touch our body and make us do something we don't want to do now um, you can leave it there and then talk about other good things over the next few weeks about how our body feels nice to touch and all the good things then you can revisit that conversation and say something like, you know, I was thinking about that conversation we had a few weeks ago or a few days ago about how some people don't understand that we all have the right to make decisions about our own body. And um, I wanted to let you know that uh, sometimes people can touch parts of our body that are only for us. For example, our genitals or our private parts, whatever language you feel most confident using in your, in your family. And um, there, there's special words for that. Um, and if your child is a little bit older than six, you probably don't, don't need to use the word rape when they're six, but absolutely by the time they're nine or 10, you can say, and there's a special word that the lawyers use to describe um, when our genitals get touched by other people, whether that's um, with all different parts of their body and maybe their genitals too, that can be called rape and it's a crime just like there are other crimes like driving on the wrong side of the road you know and some crimes are worse than others and it's important that we learn to be able to talk to the people we trust and love about crimes and about feeling hurt and, and um, in pain so that we don't have to deal with these things on our own that's super important. Why are we having this conversation in the first place? It's so we know we're supported and loved and cared for and there's someone who can talk to us about that stuff if we need to. So you've just heard three different strategies to get ready to talk about complex concepts like rape with children. And you know what? It may be that you are listening to or watching this and you still feel unsure about how to have a conversation like this and that's okay that you feel unsure because the programming we have about protecting kids and not talking about like difficulty and pain runs very very deep and it can take a lot of practice and support and skill building 
to be able to talk about these sort of things in ways that we're holding the conversation lightly and confidently so we can guide our child through it. It would be wild to imagine that you'd be able to learn to do this after one 15-minute podcast. That's not kind, it's not compassionate, and um, it's not realistic. So um, if you would like to learn more about these sorts of conversations and how to lay the groundwork for them or how to have them with children of all different sorts of ages, may I encourage you to put your name down for um, to be notified when the Evolve School opens because we are in this season of the Evolve School opening. It's only a few weeks until the doors open. And the Evolve School is where you learn layer on layer, week by week, all the skills, supports, and resources you need to weave in and make a culture in your family that supports evolution and communication, connection, all those really important, lovely feelings and experiences that we want to build into our family so that as our children um, grow up and into puberty and out the other side, they know without a shadow of a doubt that we are there for them because we've proved it over and over and over again by talking about sensitive subjects in uh, ways that build deep connection. And that's sitting in a car for another week where I've answered a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And if you would like that link to put your name down to find out more about the Evolve School, uh, have a look around this episode or my link in my bio or go to sarahsproul.com forward slash evolve. sarahsproul.com forward slash evolve. Bye for now.